welcome to season number five of the Get Your Money Right podcast. The podcast where not only do we want you to get your money, we want you to get your money right. I'm the Money Misfit, and I'll be your host on this show as we try to reveal the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth when it comes to you and your money. And if you're finally ready to take it to the next level, head over and go pick up one of our free resources at yourmoneyright.com. Again, that's yourmoneyright.com. What's the good news, people? Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Get Your Money Right podcast, the podcast where we talk about money like it's everybody's business. Because I truly believe if we're not good with money, it's because we don't talk about money. And the show is designed to change just that. And I'm your host, The Money Misfit, Jamar Dupas. And this is episode number 69. We are in season five. And today, today we're going to talk a little bit more about Hurricane Harvey. How it came through. And the five critical, I'm talking critical lessons that we've learned during a storm that, of course, I want to pass on to you. And these are typical lessons that you probably don't typically hear about, that nobody typically will tell you about. You don't necessarily read in the books. Usually just come through experience. And maybe if you've had somebody else who decided to put their arm around you and tell you to prepare for these types of things. So that's what we're going to talk about today. If this is your first time tuning in, welcome, welcome. Uh, Appreciate you being here. Don't know how you found me, but I do appreciate you coming in and listening. This is a different type of personal finance podcast. We talk about money as it relates to real life, how you can use it to put it to work for you so you can go live the lifestyle that you want to live. I kind of say this is one of those shows for the average person that doesn't want to live the average life. You want to go above and beyond the average, so to speak. So it's not going to be one of those shows where I'm going to tell you not to spend any money uh, to save 80% of your income and put it in the stock market for 40 years and hope one day you'll be able to retire and finally start to live your life. We want to be able to use money uh, not just to get by today, but to live for today, prepare for tomorrow, and leave something to our children's children's children. And that takes a different mindset than what big banks and broke people have been telling us for the past several decades. So that's what we talk about here. So I appreciate you being here. Uh, again, make sure you're subscribed to the show so you never miss another episode. We put out these episodes every single Monday unless we're off on in between our seasons. But uh, please subscribe to the show and considering leaving us a rating and review an Apple podcast. You can also find out more about what we do and how we do everything at our website at yourmoneyright.com. Again, that's yourmoneyright.com. So let's get on with the content of today's show. So what are the five critical lessons that we've learned uh, from Hurricane Harvey? For those of you who don't know, you're just tuning in, it's your first time, We live in Houston, and if you don't know, the city of Houston was practically underwater during Hurricane Harvey, uh, which is now a little bit over a month ago, which seems like it was just yesterday. But uh, our city was basically underwater. Harvey dropped uh, something like, you know, it was a trillion gallons or some crazy number like that of water, right, over several days. Now, we're used to having hurricanes here in Houston. We're used to having flooding here in Houston. But usually what happens is the hurricane comes through, comes through in the night, a day, and it's gone. 
Hurricane Harvey came through, <laughs> hung out, went back out to the water, turned back around and came back again. So it was over several days that the rain just kept coming, just kept coming, just kept coming, just kept coming. I think in my particular area alone, we got like 50 inches of rain over a few days. Now, to put that in perspective, all year long, and we are a rainy, we are a rainy area. So we get a lot of water throughout the year, right? So to put that in perspective, we get about 48 to 50 inches of rain per year, right? <laughs> per year. And we got that over a couple of days. So this is one of those global warming, end of times, really, you know, unprecedented events, right? And we keep saying that, but it seems like every year or so we get some crazy stuff like that going on where it's like, oh, this has never happened before. And it's like, well, you said that last year, right? <laughs> and you can look over at the wildfires that's happening right now. So we've had Irma come through, Irma come through in Puerto Rico, Puerto, Puerto Rico got wrecked twice, right? Uh, Florida got hit. Uh, pretty much all the Gulf Coast got hit somewhere, right? And and then now, uh, we as as time of this recording, uh, God bless those firefighters out there still fighting those fires out on the West Coast, which is crazy. Uh, I don't know if you've, you know, I'm a structural firefighter, right? So I fight. We do a little bit of the wildfires here, uh, but not like that, right? We fight buildings and and things like that and cars and and trucks and (laughs) warehouses things like that but when you're out in the wild in the forest trying to fight fire it's a whole nother beast when you have to get flown in and jump down from a helicopter to try to fight fires it's a whole nother beast when fires out in the wild it is unpredictable and is super difficult to control one of our council members here in the city of Houston one time asked if we really need firefighters because, you know, we got a lot of modern construction. We got all this technology. Why can't these things put themselves out? Well, the truth is all fires do go out by themselves, right? The question you want to ask yourself is how much of it do you want to burn first? Because it only goes out when it runs out of fuel or when somebody puts it out, right? Uh, And that's the difference. So if it's next to something it could burn, it's going to go to the next thing. That's why you will always need firefighters, because even with our current technology, our current technology, things that we use to build our houses with actually burn faster and hotter than they have ever done before. Because we use a lot of petroleum products, a lot of oil, a lot of things like that that we use to build uh, our stuff, like plastics and things like that. That stuff burns hot and it burns fast. So. Anyway, that's not what I'm here to talk about. (laughs) Y'all let me get off on these tangents. But anyway, so I just wanted to say that, look, these disasters are happening. Uh, They're happening everywhere uh, and they're happening more often, it seems like, and it happening more frequently. It may be just because we have more access to news, the 24 hour news cycle and things like that. Or it could be that we've got some climate change going on. Believe that or not. To all my Republican friends, um, there may be a lot of that. It, it, it could be because of the eclipse or whatever. I know some people have some theories about the eclipse, but just just kind of give you a heads up. Eclipse happens every year, just in a different part of the world. You can go see the full eclipse every year if you want to. You just got to go travel to where it happens. But anyway, I'm not going to burst your bubble on that. But yeah, so we've had a lot of this stuff happening. And I think it's important that we talk practically about these things and practically about our experiences that we've learned. So when we go through this stuff, we're, we're aware of it. Uh, and how we can prepare for it. Right. So uh, I want to talk about the first thing I want to talk about. The first critical lesson 
just want to talk about is insurance, right? And this is really important, especially if you're a homeowner or even if you're a renter. But especially if you're a homeowner, you have to understand something in relation to what it what we went through here with Hurricane Harvey. Um, and by the way, our house did not flood. We just had um, we had a couple of tree branches break off and fall down uh, and we've got a roof leak. Now was about the extent of what me and, and the little DuPas household got. Right now, that's not the same for other family members. Other family members lost their house. They've, you know, a bunch of water in. They have to redo a lot of that stuff. But we personally did not have uh, water come into our homes, which is a devastating thing to have happen. We did have over 600 houses in our neighborhood. We have I live in one of the largest neighborhoods in the city, but we did have over 600 houses in our neighborhood get water into their homes, which is, is a terrible, terrible thing. But specifically about insurance. And, and I was surprised that a lot of people did not know this, but your homeowner's insurance does not cover floods. OK, and. Flooding across the country, not just in Houston, but across the country uh, has been said is responsible for more deaths than any other natural disaster. Number one, but it's also responsible for a large, 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 large amount of damage when it comes to structural damage into your homes. Right. Uh, So that's why you can't really get flood insurance from you know, your basic homeowner's insurance. It doesn't cover it. It doesn't cover it because it's super expensive and it happens too much for them to take that risk on. It would be too expensive for your basic or your regular insurance companies to create policies to be able to cover you in a case of a flooding situation. And here's why. Number one, flooding is super expensive, right? Like I said, when when water enters your home, you have to get rid of your flooring. You have to get rid of uh, at least the bottom half of your walls. It depends on you know how much water you got in. Sometimes there's some electrical work that goes on. And usually when it floods, it happens on a massive on a massive scale, right? So it's not usually just one or two houses. So sometimes it's expensive to get uh, quality people into your home to get the stuff prepared, right? So flood waters cause a lot of damage. And one of the reasons why you got to get all that stuff out and you can't just dry it because with flood water also comes sewage water and that stuff is nasty, right? So think about all the diseases, think about all the stuff that gets flushed down the toilet. Think about your hospitals, your chemicals, um, the chemicals in your yard that you use for like your fertilizer to kill your bugs. Uh, Think about the, the oil spills, the leaky cars. And I know I used to drive a hoopy. That sucker would leak everywhere I went. Right. So, you know, I was young, wasn't worried about no environment or worried about, you know, anything else. I was trying to get from point A to point B. But anyway, think about all that that's going on, all that it's happening uh, in your city or in your town uh, that's happening that we put in our lawns, that trucks that drive by, just all that stuff. Uh, people with with AIDS and, and hepatitis C and, you know, all that stuff that gets waste, that gets spilled out or, or whatnot. All that stuff comes with your flood water. Right. Flood water is nasty. So don't get out in it. Don't be playing in it, you know, stuff like that, because once it starts flooding and things starts coming up out of your drainage system, that means your drainage system has been overpowered. That gets nasty. Now, if it's just a regular rain event, got a little bit of flooding, you want the kids to play in the rain or whatnot. That's probably cool. But once it starts coming out of the sewage system, water starts backing up. It's not able to drain. That's nasty. Right. Don't get in that stuff. 
if you can avoid it. Sometimes you got to get in that stuff. A lot of people had to get in to get the heck out of their houses, right? Had to get their families out, had to get to higher ground. But anyway, let me get back on track. Uh, your homeowner's insurance, the insurance that you buy for your homeowners does not cover flooding, right? And I don't know about, I have to, something I have to look up and it just popped in my head. I'm not sure about wildfires either. So if you're on the West Coast, your homeowner's insurance may not cover wildfires. So it's something you want to think about. If that is the case, because a lot of people do not carry flood insurance. One, because if you're not in a flood zone, you probably feel like your, your house is not at risk. And two, if you're not in a flood zone, nobody has made you or even probably even talked to you about flood insurance, right? Which happened to a lot of people here. They were not in the flood zone. Or if they were, they may be in a 500-year flood zone. So it's like, oh, I'm in a 500-year flood zone. This probably is not going to happen to me. I don't need flood insurance, yada, yada, yada. So a ton of people, I want to say somewhere like 80-some percent of people that got flooded did not have flood insurance. So if you don't have flood insurance, what do you do, right? Well, one of the things you can do is you have to pay for it yourself. The other things you got to do is once you see this going down, once you see water in your house, once you see uh, things are starting to happen and, and your area is deemed a natural disaster area, get that FEMA paperwork started. Get get online and get those applications going and get them going early. Even before you've seen the extent of your damage, you want to get your stuff started early because like in this case, there are tens of thousands of people that got damaged, right? That got flooded, that got moved out of their homes, things like that. They need to start that process. Uh, and if you wait till afterwards, you're going to be at the back of that line, right? And we're talking about FEMA is still the government, right? You're still dealing with the government, right? So think about when you got to go to the post office or when you got to go to the DMV. They're usually not hustling, right? Because those people that are behind there, you know, they're, they're doing government work, right? That's just the way this is the way it goes, right? At least in my experience. I I rarely see those people, those people that work uh in the government that'll hustle for you, <laughs> right? Uh, because they're de- dealing with that stuff every day. Uh it's a stressful job to deal with people that are in trouble, right? Trust me, I know, right? <laughs> I'm in I'm in the game of dealing with people when they're going through their worst, right? So it's really difficult on them, uh, and it's difficult to you because people uh, you're frustrated. They're frustrated because people are frustrated and the, the workers are frustrated because people think it's them that's causing this stuff to them or holding up their progress and all that good stuff. So those are things you got to take into consideration. So if you don't have insurance or flood insurance in particular, you have to get yourself uh, prepared, uh, get those FEMA applications in really, really early and start looking for people that will help you repair your stuff really, really early. OK, because remember, your homeowner's insurance, your your insurance does not cover flooding. Now, your car insurance usually covers flooding. Right. So you're probably not worried about that. But again, your homeowner's insurance does not cover flooding. If you're renting and you have renter's insurance, make sure that your renter, your insurance policy covers or that they know the things that you own. Right. You have to you have to keep uh, inventory of the stuff you own so you can get that stuff replaced. Right. So that's something to just kind of think about generally, even without flood insurance, even if your apartment or your, your townhome or whatever, your house catches fire and you don't own it. You have to they have to know what you have. You got to keep a good record of the things that you do have so you can get that stuff replaced. So that's one of the big things that I didn't realize a lot of people didn't know that your uh, flooding, your homeowner's insurance does not cover flooding. Uh, number two, uh, preparing involves more, especially when we talk about these hurricanes and stuff. But preparing involves a whole lot more than just buying bottles of water and batteries, right? Um, 
I could probably do a whole show on preparing for these types of things because uh, there's a lot of preparation that should go into it, especially if you live in a hurricane zone, like hurricane season, take it seriously, right? Uh, But it's more than just buying bottles of water and buying batteries, right? So number one, what are you going to do with that bottle of water, right? And and there's, you know, (laughs) speaking of bottles of water, let me say this. Preparing also requires you to be mentally prepared, one of the things that I noticed, especially leading up to this and, and you know, the days when it starts flooding, we started getting more information about, oh, the rains are coming in, the rain's coming in. This is going to be a flooding event. Be prepared. It's going to be a flooding event. I noticed that people begin to panic. Right. Um, society is fragile. Right. There is a lot of people out there who have difficult times coping with everyday things. Now, throw on top of that the panic, the sensationalism that comes from the news media, right? Throw that on top of people already having the inability to cope. You can have panic. I see people who seemingly are well off, and you can see the panic in their face because there's no more bottled water left, right? People kind of bumping into each other, nudging people. You've seen the fights and things like that. You've seen the videos on World Star, the news in the past where things like Black Friday, where people will trample over each other over a toy, things like that. People in large crowds and in desperations and desperating times, desperating times do desperate things. Desperating. Is that even a word? That was terrible. Anyway, <laughs> at desperate times, they do desperate things. So prepare yourself, right? That if you can't find the bottled water at that one location, don't panic, right? You can get bottled water somewhere else. Most of us, if you're especially if you're listening to my voice, you have running water in your own home. Okay. Worst case scenario, you gotta fill up jugs at home. <laughs> okay. Right. You have to fill up jugs at your own home. Right. With with the water that comes out of the tap that you pay for, mind you, from your city or your municipality or even if you have a well system. Right. So anyway, I just want to kind of get that out there because I saw a lot of that people panicking because they couldn't find bottled water. And don't get me wrong. Like I was looking for bottles of water, too. Right. I got four babies in the house with an amazing wife uh, who who currently breastfeeding right so she needs to be hydrated and things like that right so i'm out there i'm looking for bottled water too but you know and and i i do understand that i have a you know i'm different than most i guess in the sense that i'm always dealing with crisis as part of like my job right and i grew up in you know not so favorable conditions so when things don't get when things are not comfortable, they don't really bother me as much as they bother other people, right? Like, for instance, my wife does hates to be uncomfortable, right? If the, if the temperature outside is not right, if the house is not circulating very well, she picks up on those things. Me, I don't, I mean, I may pick up on them. I just don't necessarily respond to them. I just keep doing what I need to do. And I, I forget sometimes that it is uncomfortable because I'm kind of gotten used to being uncomfortable, right? I've even had mentor of me tell me that your comfort zone is your broke broke zone. So I'm always actually kind of looking for times to be uncomfortable so I can continue to push myself and grow. But that's a whole other situation. Right. Um, But preparing involves a lot more than just bottled water. Think about if you have to be out without power for an extended period of time. Right. What do you do if you're out of power? Where do you get energy from? What in your house can you use 
to continuously like function in life. Right. So in our house, and this is something you may want to consider when we were house hunting, I want to make sure that the house had gas, right? Natural gas system. We have a natural gas stove in our house and we have a natural gas water heater. Why did I think about that? Well, in, in the past, we've gone through hurricanes before. If we had electrical water heaters, electrical stoves, if the power is out, you don't have that power, right? Because it's electrical. But natural gas doesn't go out. It doesn't turn off because it's not dependent on electricity. It's just some pipes and some valves, right? So I can still have hot water uh, because my stove will still work. Uh, my water heater probably still works. Now, if, unless you have an electrical ignition stove, uh, switch on your water heater or your stove, you can still use it. Even if you don't have, even if you do have an electrical ignition switch on your stove, you can still just turn on a gas and light it, right? And your stove will work, right? So in those times, if you have natural gas, that's a heating source. That is a power source. That's a source of energy because you have fire, right? You can make fire. Fire is the original, you know, kind of, you know, invention of energy uh, for man. So, and of course you, you also have your batteries, right? Because, you know, you got your batteries. Uh, but there's another source of energy that a lot of people forget about is you have a car battery, right? If you need to charge your phone, things like that, you still have a car battery, right? So you can use your car if the power's out to charge your phone. Because really, your phone is one of the most important tools that we have now, especially when it comes to the ability to communicate. A lot of times in these areas, your uh, if your power is out, uh, usually the cellular service is still up, right? So a lot of times you can still connect to the internet that way. And if your power is out, you can't watch the news 24-7. So you'll have to communicate with people in that way as well. So we found a lot of people got their information uh, through their phones. And once your phone dies, uh, you know, if I've even had people that say, well, my phone died and I, I couldn't charge it. And I say, well, did you still have your car? It's like, yes, I have my car. Didn't think about you can use your car to charge your phones, right? Uh, even your car battery, you can pull your car battery out and take the energy off of that. Uh, but, you know, get yourself skilled about that. Know, know what you got to do. And also understand that flooding is a different type of beast, right? So uh, flooding a lot of times will move you up out of your house, <laughs> right? Uh, a lot of people have to get rescued uh, with boats and stuff like that down here. Uh, if you got a flat, a flat bottom boat, it's a great thing to have. Something that I'm thinking about buying now, <laughs> uh, now after we've gone through that. Um, but a flat bottom boat, I was prepared um, to take on water at our house if we needed, if I needed to. Uh, our kids have life jackets and stuff like that from just kind of being out, you know, water parks, lakes, things like that. Uh, but I had the air matches on standby. We was going to float the heck up out of there if we had to. Right. I got people that I can call. Uh, I, I'm kind of connected in certain ways. So, uh, we were prepared for that. So it wasn't just necessarily about bottled water and, and batteries, but it's just kind of preparing your mind, getting a game plan together. Uh, we've talked about before having contingency plans, having money, right? Having money is really important part of the preparation process. I, I can't stress that enough, especially when you look at situations like Puerto Rico, you look at Florida, if you look at the, the wildfires, the people in the past that were able to escape, who were able to get themselves out of the way of harm are the people who have resources to do so. If you look back at Katrina, the people who were injured and killed the most were people who did not have the resources to get out. 
right? Or maybe they were so afraid to leave the little that they did have behind that they didn't want to leave because it's all they had, right? It's like, look, this is all I have. I'm not leaving a little bit that I have behind, so I'm going to stay here, right? Because this is it. This is what I know, right? So the people without the money, without the resources, those are the people that usually are affected the most. Even now, like in Houston, we have had a outpouring of service and help. We're a big city with a lot of resources. And the people who are, who have been blessed are the ones that are able to come through and do the blessing. The people who have the resources are the ones that are able to donate the resources. Our own home, we were able to take people in, right? We were able to donate money to uh, various friends and various causes to help them, you know, get back on their feet, Right. We were able to do that because we were prepared for that. This is something that we think about. Um, this is something that's kind of built into the way we do money, right, as money misfits. So think about that. One of the things, speaking of money, you may not get a paycheck, right? Think about that for a second. Uh, if you work at a job that requires you to be there to clock in, to do the work, to get paid, they may not be open for an extended period of time. And if that is the case, they don't have to pay you. Right. So think about that. Think about that. And we talk about a lot of a lot of time about living on last month's income. Right. Cutting that paycheck, the paycheck cycle. This is why it's there's a plethora of reasons why your paycheck may not come through on time. There's a plethora of reasons why that paycheck may not be enough for what you need. Right. So we need to focus. Number one, focus, focus, focus on getting out of the paycheck, the paycheck cycle. You can't breathe. When you're living check to check, you're always stressed when you live in check to check. Ask me how I know. Right. So we have to make sure that we get out of that check to check cycle because it's things like this. These times like this where we need our paychecks the most. These are the times we don't need any mix ups. Right. This is the time when we did. We absolutely do not want our cash flow to stop. Right. So if you are living paycheck to paycheck, and what is my definition of paycheck to paycheck? Simply put, if you're using this month's paycheck to pay for this month's bills, you are living check to check. And I don't care how much you make. Right. Even if you don't use all of your paycheck every time you get it. Right. Because I was like, oh, well, I don't use all of my money, so I'm not check to check. Yes, you are. If you need your money to come in this month. To pay for your bills this month, you are living check to check. Don't be in denial, right? Get out of it. Get on last month's income at the very minimum. Get on last month's income, right? Get you a contingency fund together. It could be whatever you need. You know me. At least have your deductibles covered. Your health insurance deductibles, your homeowner insurance deductibles, your car insurance deductibles, things like that. Those are at the very minimum. I know, uh, Dave Ramsey talks about having a thousand dollar emergency fund. All right. That's a good number for a lot of people. It's, it's simple. It's easy. I'm going to go a little bit more detailed than that. Right. Because a thousand dollars in my household won't cover us. Right. For an emergency, so to speak. If I didn't get my paychecks uh, for a week, a thousand dollars is not going to going to cut it. Right. Uh, good news is and a lot of times you're in these disaster zones. You're a lot of people will not require you to have to pay your bills, right? If, if your area has been known as a natural disaster. I got a lot of emails and stuff from my uh, student loan places and things like that. I say, hey, hey, look, we know you're in a disaster zone. Uh, you don't have to pay your bill this month. Just let us know, yada, yada, yada. So a lot of places are forgiving. So you have that that particular resource. 
Uh, but that also it accrues more interest when you don't pay those types of things. So that's that it's it's also costing you. So it's not just out of the goodness of their heart, right? They they they're gonna make a little bit more interest off you. But prepare for that because you may not have a paycheck, and that's something that a lot of people don't really necessarily think about, right? Uh, which is another reason why you want to get that FEMA stuff processed pretty quick. So a lot of times they'll cut you a check uh, to get a hotel room or to pay for food and things like that. Uh, but that could be slow, right? Because even uh, as a week ago, people really just started getting like food stamps and stuff like that to help them uh, for people who are still displaced uh, from Harvey down here. All right. Uh, next thing. Let's move on, man. I'm already 30 minutes into this thing. I'm going to roll through the rest of this. Uh, know where you live. Right. Number three is know where you live. That's a critical lesson is know where you live. Uh, if you live in a neighborhood and I don't care if it's brand new, I don't care if it's well built. I don't care if it's million dollar homes or whatnot. And you live behind uh, a levee system, right? And you're in an area that gets lots of rain or has a prone to flooding. If you live near a levee system, you are prone to flooding, right? Uh, Because if you live near a levee system, that means you are in the low-lying areas. There's a levee there for a reason. The levee is there because the land that your house is built on is where the water will naturally flow. So if they don't put that levee there, Right. Your home or your neighborhood, your your master built community, that's where the water would have gone normally and levees fail. Right. So be aware of that. At the very least, they will evacuate you because they understand that levees fail. We've had quite a few houses or neighborhoods who, you know, weren't in floodplains, who were protected by levees. These people paid tons of money for their, their houses. These communities are master planned. They're well built. They got the parks. They got the trails. They got the good schools. They got the nice houses, grocery stores, and yada, yada, yada. A lot of them had to be evacuated out of their homes, right? And, to, and, and, and some of them flooded as well. Uh, one of the areas that down here that is, uh, there's a lot of lawsuits going on, uh, areas that uh, we known as Cinco Ranch and things like that behind what we call our, our, our reservoir system. So we have a dam system here in the city of Houston that was built over, I don't know, in the 1940s or something like that. And it was to protect the water from draining too fast into the Bayou City, into Houston flooding the city. What happened is a lot of neighborhoods were actually built inside of these reservoirs right behind the dam. Uh, And a lot of these homes in this reservoir area flooded, right? Because the reservoir was stopping too much water from coming down the bayou system. And so it started backing up the opposite direction into these houses that were literally built inside the reservoir, right? There's a lot of lawsuits and stuff going on right now. But the truth is these people... It's probably in their contracts that they were being their houses were being built in the reservoir. And these were big houses. I'm talking about 2000 square, 3000, 4000 square feet. These were nice communities with gates and security guards and the whole nine. Right. So this is not just, you know, low income areas. Right. The land was cheap. <laughs> right. But they built big houses in on cheap land. So people were able to get big houses relatively cheap. You hear a lot of people say that Texas real estate is inexpensive and it really is compared to the rest of the country. Uh, But sometimes you have to question where your house is being built. If you're in a new community, right, there's this new land that they found all of a sudden. Question it. Question it with with all your heart. Right. Like where did this land come from and why now? Right. Why wasn't houses built on this piece of land 20 years ago? 
30 years ago, 100 years ago, right? Where did it come from? All of a sudden, it just came available, right? Did a family pass away who didn't want to sell it before and they decided to sell it to a builder? Where did this land come from? So know where you live, right? Know if your house is in a low-lying area, if it's in a flood-prone area, uh, if it's near railroad tracks, if it's near a dump site, chemical sites, just know where you live, right? Because that can make a difference, right? Whether or not uh, you, like our situation, get flooded, right? Or get burned or or whatever the case may be. Just, just know where you live. So that's a critical lesson that I found uh, because we've had to take in friends who live in very nice, nice neighborhoods that come to my, my house uh, because they had to get evacuated or they had damage and things like that. And it was it was a blessing for me, right, to to be able to open my house and have people home to my house. So it was it was it was great to be able to do that. But the lesson was just know where you live, uh, because I was surprised to find that people were not aware that uh, they lived in low lying areas. They lived in areas where water naturally wants to go. So that's something to think about. And if, even if that is the case, at least you're prepared. Right. You know. Right. So. There are certain areas, there are certain people that live in my neighborhood that, that live by the waterways, by the bayous. They know that their house is really prone to flooding. So a lot of times they'll just get up and leave. Right. They'll just go out of town. Right. Come back and deal with it later. <laughs> OK. Uh, one, they have the resources and they know where they live. So know where you live. Next thing is relationship capital is probably the most important type of resource. Uh in these disaster times, right? Having the relationships, having people that you know, that know you, that care about you, that love you, that want the best for you is amazing, amazing. And I want to say almost critical resource, because if you can get people that know you, love you, they're going to come get you first in those situations. They're going to take care of you first. They're going to feed you first. They're going to make sure you're okay first in the case where your own personal resources are not enough, right? Uh, when things get a little too wild, right? So for example, everyone has a 911 system in their area, right? 911 is a great resource, but sometimes 911 cannot get to you. I use this analogy all the time, especially with my neighborhood and people talk about securing their homes and security. Uh, every now and again, you hear about a home burglary or something like that, right? And everybody's like, oh, well, you need to have an alarm system. Um, so and your alarm system can notify the police and blah, blah, blah. That's great and all, but the burglary, the intrusion has already happened by the time your alarm goes off, right? You've already been violated. At least that feeling of being violated has already happened. Once somebody has breached and gotten into your home, it's it's almost too late psychologically, right? And then you got to hope that the police can get there on time and catch that person or persons and get your stuff, right? And in my experience, that doesn't happen. That the police get there before the people that got in your house has already got out with your stuff. Right. So the goal is to not get let them get in the house in the first place. You want to take your resources and spend it on fortifying your house so they cannot get in. Right. You can kick on my door all day long. Good luck getting in. Right. So those are the type of things that I'm talking about. I'm not going to get in, in, <laughs> into all the things you can do to fortify your house right now. But the point of all that. Is don't be dependent on your 911 system. Don't be dependent on the your city system to be there for you. Don't have that be your plan A, right? Because I can tell you here, we were responding to 911 calls 
three and four days after they've come in. We were literally going to houses with people that called us three days prior to see if they need still needed help. Right. Because there were so many calls that came in. The system was overloaded. Right. So people couldn't get out of their house if they depended on us. The way we work down here, and this is probably how most places work, is the people who are critical. So we had to move people out of hospitals, right, who were uh, in areas that would flood. They had to get moved from hospital to hospital, people on life support, uh, people who are on life support at home, people who are elderly and can't get around, people who have really sick kids. Those are the people that we got to first, right? You're 25 years old, you're able-bodied, you you's going to be at the back of the line. Right. And that's another thing to think about your your ability, your ability to, to move. Right. Your physical shape, your you know, being in shape is more than just looking good, butt naked. Right. It's really about being functional and having energy so you can function and be productive. And in some situations, get yourself out of harm's way. Right. If you are, you know, severely overweight or you're ill Things like that, it makes it difficult for you to navigate life, right? Which I don't have to tell you that, you know, if that's your situation, right? But these are some of the things that we just kind of notice, especially in crisis situations. But having those relationships, people you can call say, hey, I can't get through the 911. Do you have a boat or know somebody that has a boat that can come get me, right? Or, hey, I'm being evacuated out of my house. I need a place to go. Can you house me? Or do you know somewhere where I can go? Hey, I'm getting the heck out of the state because there's a big storm coming in. I'm flying up north. Can I come stay at your house? Right. Uh, there's quite a few people uh, and ma- and even like strangers. Right. Like one of the things I tell people about is like it's probably a good idea to start a podcast, because what I've noticed is that I've gotten strangers that reach out to me. And I can probably call some of these people that I've never even met before. Right. But they feel like they know me. Uh, we've had great conversations, email back and forth. I can probably call and say, hey, I need to I need a place for me and my wife and kids to stay. Can we come stay with you for two days until the storm come by? And they'll probably say, absolutely. Right. That's relationship capital. That is probably the most critical resource that I can imagine you having, especially coincide that with your actual financial resources. Right. Because it is a resource and it's not something to be taken lightly. So think about that and think about that, especially when you think about how you treat people. Right. And how you serve people or how you don't serve people. Right. Think about that uh, from your own perspective. So relationship capital is critical in these moments. And then uh, the final critical lesson is that even through all these disasters, even through all this chaos, there are a ton of opportunities within the mess. And there always is. And if you can train your brain to think about that when things are going bad, you'll be well off. They say that more millionaires are made during a recession than any other time, right? More people change their financial legacy after the Great Depression than any other time. After this last uh, big recession we had, a lot of people got really, really wealthy, became really well off. Why? It's because people need help, right? And if you can find a way to service people, you will always have financial gain. You'll always get resources, right? So there is a ton of opportunities in every disaster. So think about that. The jobs that come around. So we need people to come pick this stuff to pick up this trash. Right. We need people to come clean out these houses, get rid of the sheetrock, put these houses back together. We need people to clean the streets. We need people to work for the companies that are just been newly 
newly acquired, right, or newly newly built because there's such demand for the services that are out here, right? Um, there's always opportunity, right? People who have been flooded maybe one or two times, or maybe this is their first time, or maybe they just want to get the heck out of Dodge. There's a lot of people who leave their houses behind, right, because they just don't want to deal with it anymore or they can't afford it. Uh, there are a lot of people who can't afford to build their houses. So sometimes rebuild their houses, repair the houses. So they'll take that FEMA check and just go on and start all over again. Right. So now you have a house there that you could probably buy. You could probably raise it or just fix it, rent it, yada, yada, yada. There's always opportunities after a severe uh, situation like this. Uh, if you have a heart for people and you have uh, something that you believe in, it's an opportunity to serve people. You have a, it's an opportunity to minister to people, right? To be there for people, to un, to let people know the goodness of God, and and let people uh, show them the light, so to speak, right? There's an opportunity in every single chaos, right? And that's something that we have to get uh, really cognizant of and really think about on the forefront of our mind that when things are going bad, like the, it's not all bad, right? After every feast, there's a famine, but after every famine, there's a feast, right? So. There is work that needs to be done. There's people that need to be loved on, be cared for. There's people that need to be ministered to, right? There's resources that could be had. There's assets that could be purchased. There's businesses that can be started. There's still skills that could be learned, right? If you've ever wanted to learn construction, young, you're abled, good hands, you want to learn construction, after disaster is a time, people will train you because there'll be a ton of work. (laughs) There'll be a ton of work uh, to go around. There's always a ton of work to go around after these uh, after these deals go down. So those are the five critical things. It's 40, it's 40 something minutes into this thing. I'm gonna go ahead and be quiet. But really, number one is understanding your insurance, right? That what your insurance covers and does not cover, you need to be aware of. You need to be aware of before these things happen, right? So you're not cut off guard. Uh, if you don't have flood insurance and things like that, fire insurance, you want to make sure that you get on the FEMA stuff, Get your get to asking people around, get this stuff together, call your local insurance agent, your local insurance person, uh, get with them about what they think you may need and stuff like that. So you make sure you're prepared, but don't overdo it. Right. And just for the record, flood insurance is provided by the federal government. So it's not actually the insurance companies that are writing. They're maybe writing your policy, but they're not backing your policy. Right. They are actually uh, kind of being a conduit to to get the federal government, the federal government is paying for it all. They don't have no money to pay for it, but somehow they're paying for it all. All right. Preparing involves a lot more than just buying bottles of water and batteries. Right. Uh, you want to think about what happens if you're out of power for extended period of time. What flooding is really like? What do you really need? Because it's more than just being without power. Um, you also need to understand that you may be out, be out of work for an extended period of time. You may not have a paycheck that'll come in for a week or two weeks or whatever the case may be. So be prepared for that. Uh, know where you live. Are you, are you prone for flooding? Are you prone for tornadoes? Right. Cause there's not a whole lot you can do about tornadoes. T- tornadoes come through. They're just going to rip your house up if it, if it touches your house. Right. So there's not a whole lot we can do about those, but just know know where you live. Are you in low lying areas and high lying areas? If you're going to buy a house there, ask questions, ask questions, ask questions. Don't let people rush you into signing papers when you don't understand stuff, right? Know where you live. Relationship capital, right? Relationship capital is probably one of the most critical resources that you could have. So be careful how you treat people, right? Understand that. Uh, Check up on people. Uh, Look for opportunities to be a blessing yourself, right? Those things will come back to you tenfold. I promise you. I promise you. 
And lastly, there are a ton of opportunities after these disasters, after these chaotic, these chaotic incidences. Right. So be aware of that. When things are looking bad, you need to open your eyes and start looking for the good. Start looking for the opportunity to serve the opportunity to profit, the opportunity to maybe start a business, the opportunity to change your life by helping other people get their life back on track. Uh, if you can just kind of have that in your mindset, I think you'll be all right. I know you'll be all right because it's not what everybody else is thinking. Everybody else is thinking, what about me? What about me? What about me? And if you can get in there, you can say, hey, what about you? What can I do to help you? What can I do to serve you? You will always find grace and goodness in that situation. And likely with that comes resources. And when I mean resources, I'm talking about money, right? So that's all I got today. Hopefully that was helpful. Hopefully I didn't ramble on too much. If you like it, if you think anybody could benefit from anything that you've listened to today or learned today, do me a favor, share this thing out. We got to get our downloads numbers going, get going, get going. We're getting ready to rev this thing up, uh, especially for the new year. Uh, next couple of episodes going to be uh, even more resources for you. Uh, hopefully the ways to think about money, think about life as it relates to your money in a different type of way. So, yeah, share this thing out. Uh, leave us a rating and review, please. Please. If you got a five star in your heart, go ahead and leave that rating and review in Apple Podcasts. And remember, if you want to sit down, you want to get just you and your wife or you and your husband or just you by yourself, you want to sit down and you want to do a quick coaching session, make sure you email me at jamar at yourmoneyright.com. We are starting those back up. If you want to learn the misfit way, you want to kind of do a little a cash flow overhaul, you want to know how we do it and you kind of want some one-on-one time, you can hit me up, jamar, J-A-R-M-A-R at yourmoneyright.com. And if you want to be abreast or keep open to all the things we got coming up and all the things we're doing, the best way to do that is via email. Make sure you join our email list. Head over to our website at yourmoneyright.com and subscribe to our email list. And of course, we have the Money Misfits Facebook group where we do uh, some talking and chit-chatting over there as well. So with that being said, look, I really do appreciate you listening. And remember, if you don't get your money right, somebody else will get your money, right? Right. So so let's get it. I really do really mean that. Let's get it right. So I appreciate you listening. I really do. I love you. And God bless. MPS. MPS. We're talking about money, 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 cash, cash, cash.